Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us on the Vigilance Press Podcast. My name is James Dossie. I'll be your host tonight. And tonight we have three very special guests, uh, all three um, who are very prominent members of the uh, Mutants and Masterminds crew over at Green Running. We have line developer John Lighthouser. John, how are you doing today? Excellent, excellent. How are you? I'm doing great. And um, we also have with us Seth Johnson. Seth, how are you doing tonight? Hey, fantastic. Good to hear it. Good to hear it. And, of course, the the always effervescent Christopher McLaughlin. <laughs> well, thank you, sir. I was still trying to get over being a very special guest, and now I'm effervescent, <laughs> too. Wow, thank you. Well, it's always you know it's always good to have you on board. Um, and uh, even if we do, you know, try to pad your part a little bit, <laughs> it's okay. I'm used to it. <laughs> now, um, tonight we're going to be talking about uh, the DC Adventures Universe book, which is the fourth and final book in uh, in in the the new DC Comics. Uh, role-playing game from Green Ronin, which is uh, using the Mutants and Masterminds 3rd edition system. Uh, we talked a bit about this in our last podcast with Steve Kenson and with Aaron Sullivan, but we have uh, Seth, who worked on the first two chapters of the book, and we also have John, who's the line developer, and Christopher, um, who I think is maybe the only guy who worked on the project and had fewer words than me. I don't know. <laughs> But well, but total, but, I did okay. I did okay in books two and three. I just I'm sort true. of I'm, that's true. <laughs> I'm sort of an, I'm sort of an accidental piece of number four. But uh, you're actually you're actually one of the folks I want to talk about because um, not only is uh, I, I consider you a heavyweight in terms of knowing what you're talking about when you talk comics, but oh, well, uh, thank you. You're also one of these these guys who who has been in more than one iteration of the DC universe. Um, in, in terms of role-playing games. We'll talk about that in a minute. Um, but first, uh, let me ask John really quick uh, before we go on. Um, you're still collecting some errata for the DC Universe book. Uh, how, mu- how much time do people have to get that in? Uh, well, it depends on when this podcast is live, but if it goes live later today, which is Saturday, mm-hmm. uh, if anybody has anything on Sunday, that's when I would need it, because then I have to double-check it all and see what the actual issues are with the reported errata mm-hmm. as I compare all of them to the printed books to see what, what the issue really is. Uh, and then I pass that on to Hal, and I need to get that to him sometime Monday. Okay. So basically folks have until, you know, tonight, later tonight to, to kind of call it a wrap. And then, um, we, we move on now. Um, going back to, uh, what I was talking about with Christopher, um, and actually Seth and Christopher both both worked on the DC universe role-playing game, which was a West end games production, correct? We did indeed, yes. Yeah, uh, I so, I did just a little bit of it, and actually John appears as a cameo in the section I worked on. He was the example player, so John is in there as well. Awesome! <laughs> yes, <laughs> fantastic. We have everybody. We have everybody connected now. It's it's kind of like a game of, uh, you know, six degrees of Kevin Bacon, except in role playing <laughs> systems. And what's really amazing is I never played that game. <laughs> so it's even more remarkable. I was trying to lure you into playing though by including you in the game, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so Christopher, tell us a little bit about what it's like going from um 
you know, one system to the next? How, how do you, you know, make sure that, uh, you know, how, how do you approach writing up characters for the two different systems? Well, you uh, you have to, I think, have a good grasp of the underlying design philosophy of them because uh, the Western version was a dice pool system, and you could really, 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 really get down to discrete differences between these characters. Like uh, one of the one of the ni- nice perks of that job is Westin um, actually uh, arranged for me to be at Dra- uh, not Dragon Con, uh, Heroes Con in Charlotte and run a game for Phil Jimenez, who was writing and drawing Wonder Woman at the time. Ooh, and for nice. my and for my money, still maybe the best guy ever to have worked on Wonder Woman. You know, I haven't read the I haven't read the current Azzarello stuff, but for my money, give me Phil Jimenez. And so it, the idea was that you, you you would play the game and learn it along with the guy actually writing the title. And and I'll never forget. You know, I got to look at Phil Jimenez and just look him straight in the eye. Says, "Okay, uh, Diana wants to punch somebody. Pick up thirty-five dice." <laughs> <laughs> and he took that way better than he had any any obligation to do. <laughs> so God, where God bless you, Phil Jimenez. I still owe you for that. And and well, I mean, no, I mean, Eminem. Nobody, nobody. You know, I guess at least until the cosmic book comes out, you know, nobody's rolling thirty-five of anything. You know, we just don't deal with math that big. I think it's because we're all from a social science background. I'm not one hundred percent sure, but there are humanities. There we go. We're all humanities. You know, we're not going over twenty. So yeah, so you have to figure out. Well, you know, how can I take like an insanely powerful character? Like I think the I think the rawest, most powerful character I worked on was probably Uncle Sam, mm-hmm. the old quality comics character. You know how to show that he is. You know, you know, unbelievably, unfathomably. Hey, I'll just push the moon out of orbit strong, and still have it fit within the terms of our game system. When I stat him up for the old West End system, it was like, oh, okay, all right, thirty-five dice whenever Uncle Sam punches you. So you, know, you have to you have to understand that those kind of you know nuts and bolts things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, West End was always good at handling scales like that. I remember in the old Star Wars game, they had you know the the starships could actually shoot at individual people, and you had starship damage and you know person <laughs> level damage, and it's good mm-hmm. fun. <laughs> and of course, for those of us who remember Torg, um, that was actually I'm trying to remember which out, which came out first. There was the DC Heroes game and Torg. Both had very similar approaches uh, to to creating a measurement uh, system that that created like their own set of rules for measuring things, where uh, they operated on some. They had different um, curves uh, because in the DC Heroes system, which the new DC Adventures game uses uh, almost the exact same system, it's a doubling where every rank on the table doubles your values, but on um, as I recall with Torg, it was it was a curve. It was like everything was multiplied by one and a half. But um, you know that was always that was another one from from West End games that I really liked. But uh, getting back to uh, um, DC Adventures, um, you know what? Uh, as far as as working on the projects, um, you know what what was different about working on um, the universe books as opposed to. The Adventures book, and then we'll get into DC Universes uh, or DC Adventures Universe <laughs> specifically. Who are we asking? Uh, let's ask. Let's yes. ask Seth. Let's start with Seth. Oh, let's see. Um, well, it's been. I, I really didn't do a ton of work on on the old DC Universe game. I, I wrote up a, a gadget system, and that was about it. Um, and as far as uh, my, my work here on DC Adventures Universe goes, it was much more, much less mechanical, and much more um, 
kind of uh, content based. I, I wrote up very few characters for for uh, this new book, uh, but I did an awful lot of research and reading comics and writing up a lot of the content and gathering details and sewing it all together. So uh, I would say it was a lot less math and a lot more reading involved in, in working it up. Okay, so a little more comfortable for us us humanities majors. <laughs> well, I, I, I was a combination English and physics major, so I, I have a foot in both worlds. Oh, there you go. So that's uh, I I never really did dig physics. That may be my problem. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that's it. <clears throat> but um, no, that's that's uh, that's a cool perspective on it. Um, Christopher, what would you say would be your kind of experience? Since uh, I think you were still dealing with a lot more of the the stat blocky stuff with uh, mutants and masterminds. Uh, now, are we talking about specifically this last book, or? or? Well, no, just your you know DC Adventures in general, um, and and uh, comparing it to DC Universe. Oh well, you know it's. It, it, I'm glad you asked me that because I, you know the uh, those old, the, the the two previous iterations of DC RPGs they were a great 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 help to me because I my my process was I would go through and do everything I could think of doing under the M&M system. I would, uh, you know, go, you know, write this character's background the best I remembered it. And then I would go back and double check myself online. And, you know, and, you know, and I have to admit there were a couple, there were a couple of things I, I had learned. I had no idea, you know, T.O. Morrow was actually Polish and, you know, the family name wasn't actually <laughs> Morrow, which, you know, a little bit of a heartbreaker for me because, you know, the DC universe I love, there are actually people, you know, there is a Bivolo family and they named their son Roy G. You know, that, that, that's kind of the DC universe I want to live in. You know, so and then and then I would make it a point to go back and look at look at what previous designers had done. I mean, gee, when you have people like Ray Winninger, you know, taking a crack at these characters, you'd be crazy not to see how he handled some, you know, some of these some of these problems. Mm hmm. And uh, I tell you, they they were flat out lifesavers when you were getting to like the more nightmarish characters for me, like Captain Comet, because Captain Comet, I mean, Captain Comet has has made three major appearances in the comics. They were all twenty years apart, and he has a completely different power set each time. And then like do one stat block for him, go. <laughs> you know, and it was it really you know just just seeing how the pre had been handled in previous games that was a real real lifesaver. Yeah, I'm a I'm a I'm a huge fan of Winager's work, and uh, I have to actually admit that uh, I've got several of the the DC Heroes books within arm's reach of me still right uh, now. Same yeah, here. And actually, they, he when they were closing to. Uh, sorry, Seth. Go ahead. I, I was just going to say when they were. Uh, when uh, Mayfair was closing down the line, they had a, a, a big closeout sale at Gen Con, and I bet I bought 20 copies of the rule book that I've slowly been handing out and hoarding over the years. Mm, <laughs> nice. Love that mine, game. Mine are, mine are definitely um, uh, showing the love. Um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, you know, Well, for years, that was Seth's very favorite um, superhero game. Yep, absolutely. I ran a lot of campaigns in that system. Yeah, and I guess I should say Seth and I know each other for well, what have we known each other? Just over twenty years now. Yeah, um, that's all right. We went uh, actually. We weren't in college together at the same time, but we were at the same university at different times, literally a year apart. Um, so he he and I are, are have been good friends for a long time. Um, but that's the game that he always wanted to play. We were big. Uh, the the rest of the group were big Champions fans, and. Uh, Seth was like, no, let's play DC. And I said, I never really got that game. And then I got it after Seth showed up. So it's it's quite a good game. Yep. 
And I, I met them when they saved my life in Nam. Right. <laughs> oh, those were the days. <laughs> we couldn't just leave you there in that patty. I know, I know. I mean, they, they were they were they were slapping me, saying, you know, you'd never get over anything in your life, and you're not quitting now, soldier. Live, McLaughlin, doing, live. Yeah, and now we're doing RPGs together. Yeah. <laughs> been, a good, been a good, been a good, what, thirty, forty years now, guys. You also had the map tattooed on your back. <laughs> what the hell about that, John? Oh, that's right. He's never seen it. It's a retirement plan. Just glad it was you. Glad it was you, not Schwab. Schwab would have just skinned me and gone ahead. <laughs> no, he's like a total peacenik. He couldn't hurt a fly. He is, but we have to kid him to the contrary. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> um, but uh, I was going to say before, um, Ray actually did. Not only did he help organize the entire DC license for us uh, over at Green Running, he is very, very good friends with uh, Chris and Nicole, uh, and in fact is one of the Monday night, or Tuesday night, I think it's Monday night game crew over at their place. And he, uh, he also did a number of write-ups for, the, for DC Adventure, let's see, uh, Volume 1? I think yeah. he just did Volume 1, but maybe he did somebody in Volume 2 as well i don't remember specifically i guess i can look at my book um but yeah he did he did some write-ups for the for the dc adventures books as well cool cool I'll... yeah he did do volume two as well okay does he ever show up at gen con i'll have to get his signature you know i don't think he has in a while um i i know he could if he wanted to because he worked at microsoft for many many years which i'm sure paid him pretty well um <laughs> but i i think he's kind of been busy with other stuff although this year I I really wouldn't be surprised if he showed up at Gen Con, but I don't know what the uh, what his plans are. Cool. Well, um, I hope I'll get a chance to to meet up with him someday and thank him because many years of gaming, um, and uh, especially with the DC license, um, I was a big fan of the DC Heroes role playing game. That was one of my that was one of my high school role playing games. That was you know back in the the eighties when I was. Uh, I kind of discovered the DC Heroes license through the role-playing game and then got interested in the comics. So it was kind of the role-playing game caught my eye first. And then I started buying into the Teen Titans um, because the Teen Titans were kind of their uh, the, the characters they used to introduce you to the, the system. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, that, was, that was kind of where my love affair with uh, DC really started was, was through the game. So... That was uh, a, and yeah. now, now we see why people license games. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> see, I, I, pick, I picked up DC Heroes because I love DC Comics and then went from the game into creating our own heroes. And I bet we ran a 15-year campaign. I, I have a, actually a picture hanging on my wall that um, one of my best friends drew for me of many, many, many of the characters were created for that campaign. So I, I, I love that game. Very cool. Very cool. So I'm hoping that uh, people enjoy DC Adventures as much. One of the things that um, I was thrilled about, and again, I wanted to thank John for allowing me to participate. He uh, he tapped me when um, he was looking for some people to fill in some stat blocks. I think people have been bugging me to tell them which ones I did, and, and to be honest, it's kind of <laughs> sad that I go, well, I remember two or three of them, but I think I only did like nine you know, or so. And J- I think James, that- James, my friend, can I give you some tips? Yeah. Don't ever admit to which stat block you did. Exactly. <laughs> back, 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 when Fred, back when Fred Young was the line developer for, for the for the for the web game, uh-huh. I actually saw him cornered 
for 45 solid minutes by this by this incensed fan who couldn't believe that they gave Batman a four physique instead of a five. And this guy had brought along like a little bibliography, like citing what issues prove that it should have been a five. <laughs> And you know, I, I caught him right afterwards, and you yeah, know, his brain was still much trying where to. I'm at. I'm, I'm. I think I'll. I think I'll just. You know, if if people can guess which ones are mine, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But I'll, uh, I'll just stand back and just say thank you for letting me participate. <laughs> that guy's still out there. He's looking for you. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> but um, one of the the things that I enjoyed about the process, obviously, was was getting in and, and getting a chance to try and convert some of these characters from just concepts on a page to numbers. What what is the? Um, I guess this is a question more for John as line developer, but you know everybody else can kind of comment on their experience as well. What was your? Um, you know, obviously you would essentially give out the assignments, and but I know you went through all of the stat blocks like one by one and kind of read over them and did some evaluations because I know even, you know, we had some conversations about kind of how to do certain characters. I think the one that you brought up with me was uh, when you were working on uh, Clarion the Witch Boy and Tickle. Um But uh, what what was your basic approach to trying to make sure that uh, each of the characters kind of represented what people would expect? Um, well, really, that was a matter of kind of working off what Steve and I had initially set up in um, the, whatever, 28, I think it was 28 characters in the, in the DC Heroes Adventures Handbook. core, yeah, the, the Heroes Handbook. Um, and so th- those characters we went over a few times, and I think Steve pretty much got it right off the bat in terms of um, what... Uh, what the power levels were for those characters. And, and I know we adjusted a couple by like one, mm-hmm. something like that. Um, and then it was really just a matter of uh, he and I going through the lists of all the characters we were going to include and giving them a power level that we thought was appropriate. So, um, you know, the, the classic example is Robin, Nightwing, Batman kind of thing. Um, and there are certainly power level differences between those characters but the and which helps to kind of inform what the write-up is going to be like so you know their attack defense totals things like that um and then it was just a matter of making sure that uh their skills were appropriate advantages were appropriate the stats themselves were appropriate and so it was always a matter of kind of checking each character against some other character that seemed like a, a particularly good keystone i guess mm-hmm. um there wasn't there wasn't a single person who was a, you know the keystone but you know everybody was kind of checked in reference to everybody else um and one of the big things for any of these characters was uh we could certainly and we say this in the you know not what you expected section in the first couple of pages of each of the books mm-hmm. um you know uh, i'm trying to think captain cold is really just a normal guy with a gadget gun but he stands up to the Flash, who can, at various times in his career, move at the speed of light, uh, which would not be much of a threat for a guy, normal guy with a gadget gun. So his his stats reflect him being able to fight the Flash, not him taking on the cops. Right. It's it's a very it has to be a little more fluid, um, and uh, you know account for the fact that 
he does take on the Flash, and uh, so it's it's definitely not a realistic representation of characters, and, and Eminem is not a realistic game. So, okay. And you know, come to think of it, is you know, very few DC villains on paper should be a match for any of the heroes they act, they they tend to fight. Yeah, exactly. Unless unless it's like one of those cleverly reversed characters like Sinestro or Bizarro. It's always, you know, Batman is fighting a guy with like a ventriloquist dummy and right, that's his right. power. <laughs> well, Batman part of that versus is, the Joker who has the power of insanity. Yeah. Part of that is because by their very function, villains are supposed to fall down by the end of the story and heroes have to live to go on to the next story and fight the next villains. Uh, yeah. yeah. But still you want the villain to be a challenge during that story. So mm, yep. Yep. And again, that's one of the interesting things about role playing games versus storytelling. I think it's a um it's a fine line and different games kind of step one way or the other when 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 standing on that border. But <clears throat> with kind of the um origins of mutants and masterminds being in that kind of D20 game where it's it's very much about kind of combat mechanics, um you're going to be spending a lot of time, you know, using those mechanics to represent the characters and try to entertain yourselves by having these characters fight each other. So focusing on those aspects of the character is totally appropriate for Mutants and Masterminds, I think. Mm-hmm. But um, going to the fourth book. Now, this is this is the, uh, the final book in the series. It was always going to be a, a four-book series of books, right? There was yep. never any talk about doing a fifth. No. I mean, there's been plenty of talk about it, but um, mm-hmm. our our contract with Warner Brothers slash DC was for four books, and that was it. Uh, and that's what we've been kind of that's what we did. <laughs> and we are not currently secretly working on a fifth book. Where there's there's nothing nothing like that going on. We're well, I am, but John done. hasn't agreed to publish. <laughs> <Exactly. laughs> we're, we're effectively done done with that contract, but we can continue to sell the game for the foreseeable future. That's great. So, um, first of all, how does it feel to finally get this fourth book off, off, and into the wild? Um, you know, it's uh, I, I think really good does not quite encapsulate exactly how good it feels. Uh, <laughs> it's it's really nice to be done with these books because they were so so labor intensive. Um, not just for myself, but for the writers when they were doing them. And if I'd known at the time how long it was going to take to get all this stuff done, I certainly would have spaced things out a little bit more. Although that may not have been the right decision anyway, because things have certainly changed with the the new 52. And I think people would have um, wanted to include all sorts of information from the new 52 if, uh, if, if they had been writing this stuff in the last year instead mm-hmm. of two years ago. Um, and, and to be clear, um, I think we actually had a couple of questions on this. When was the uh, the, the 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 final version of the DC Universe manuscript pretty much put together? Well, let's see here. When it started, so I have a file here. I, I knew you were going to ask me about this, so I'm in the DC Universe file on my laptop, on my desktop. Steve and I wrote the initial outline. I guess Steve wrote the outline. It looks like six twenty three of. 2010 mm-hmm. and then let's see we started contracting people uh it was quite a while after that because i was working on the on the other three books so it looks like we started contracting people probably in the end of 2010 okay 
Um, so it was the end of 2010, beginning of 2011. So it was quite a while um, ago from, you know, from today. Uh, so, you know, a good two years ago. Mm-hmm. and Or almost three years ago. And um, it's... Uh, um, and then in terms of the final draft, like when, what we sent to DC... Uh, really that text was probably laid out in January, Okay, I would say. Uh, and then in fact, it may have even been December because, uh, Hal laid out the book and then knew exactly where we need to look for art. Uh, and then we made those requests in December. We got the stuff in beginning of no, February, March. It was it was not long ago that we got the art, and then he was able to finally put it together. Uh, we did a proofread run on it with um, a bunch of people, and then sent it to DC. They gave us their feedback, which was thankfully not very much feedback. Uh, and then we did another proofing run, uh, which I'm, I think a number of you helped with, um, and then finished that all up. So the you know final final. Uh, version of this book will be uh this monday <laughs> <laughs> so we, we consider it a living document right now <laughs> it's, it's a, in fact i think most of our books are living documents until they get published in physical form uh and even then we update pdfs if we find stuff after the fact so okay so um that puts you know the the basic structure of the book and most of the writing being done before the new fifty two was even you know yeah. announced and you guys weren't given any kind of special advance warning. Oh, yeah, they told us everything that's going to happen for the next ten years. Okay, okay. <laughs> so so it's not true so at you all. You know who Pandora no. is. <laughs> Pandora is actually a shape shifted John Jones. <laughs> oh no, sorry, that was Bloodwind. Which I think is also what you get when you eat a chipotle. <laughs> I had a joke, but I can't top a Bloodwind reference. <laughs> Does anyone else remember Bloodwind? I remember. I, I remember. Reading, I remember yep. reading him. He in the uh, or his appearance in the um, uh, the Death of Superman storyline. But because that was the only time I'd ever seen him, I'm like, who the hell is this guy? <laughs> you know, one worry, of the things, every, everyone reading Justice League at that point was asking the same question. So, yeah. <laughs> you, you know, one of the things I'm ashamed of that I actually found hilarious was I think he popped up on a cracked list once, uh-huh. and they described his name as uh, sounds like something you'd get after eating a bunch of super hot burritos at a cheap Mexican place. <laughs> <laughs> yep, hence the Chipotle reference. So. Yeah. I shouldn't say that. I actually like Chipotle, but no. <laughs> we all do. <laughs> but with it, and and hence we know the dangers. Um, <laughs> but so so going into this fourth book, um, you know, we we know that it was it was pretty much written, but this was also kind of your your last chance book, right? This was this was. You know, as we were publishing the, or, well, we, I keep wanting to say we because I helped, but it was mostly you guys doing all of this great work. But um, as you were getting closer to the last book and kind of had to trim characters from one, you know, one document or another to get there, you know, how, how many of those, those kind of displaced 
paranormals, if you will, managed to find their way into that that fourth book that otherwise might not might not have seen the light of day. Yeah, you know, actually, um, it, it's interesting. The the book is kind of a hodgepodge of stuff like that. Um, some by mistake and some by kind of happy accident. So the uh, like Johnny and Jakeem Thunder and the Liberty Bell entries were actually supposed to be in. Uh, what would that have been in the first book of Heroes and Villains? I think so. They were right near the tail end. Yeah, well, right Liberty, Liberty, Liberty Bells were penciled in for two. We're, we're in for two. Yeah, and for some reason, I totally lost those write-ups. Um, and the, the only <laughs> no, I, I'm serious. Like completely lost them. I happened to find them when I was going through my old files, and I was like, "What in the hell is this?" Like, and of course, that makes me worry. Like, were we working with the wrong version of the file? And then it actually ended up going out the door. But no, that was not the case. But I had to check because uh, I had I would have sworn I had included those characters in the in the in the word document that I send over to Hal to do layout on, but no, I never did. So, uh, but I was happy we had the fourth book cause I could include those guys. Um, and, and those were the only four that were like, Hey, John's a total numbskull and forgot to include these characters. <laughs> um, and then well, there ha- were, it, it should be noted that it was just those few. I mean, it was an, an enormous job just yeah, compiling and moving around all the parts of, for John. Yeah, out of so, yeah. 600 yeah, it was It was a lot of characters. But even so, you'd think, I mean, I actually really like Liberty Bell, and I think Johnny and Jakeem are pretty interesting and should have noted their absence. Um, mm. But then uh, other things, uh, Universe also included all the Skartaris slash Warlord characters. And they were originally slated to be in book two, uh, Heroes and Villains volume two. And they ended up moving out because it kind of made more sense to beef up the Skartara section. And they weren't like super huge, important characters to include in the main rule books or in the main character books. Um, and it, and it makes the universe a, a little more appealing too, because there's a, a bunch of cool information in there. Uh, so there were, I think there were a couple of characters like that that ended up, got, ended up getting moved into the universe book. James Gordon, Commissioner Gordon, um, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then otherwise, uh, the third type of character got in, that got into the universe book were actually the ones we planned to include. Uh, and then the fourth were all the characters that the writers came back to me and said, we really need to include this guy. He's really cool. Uh, and then the fifth version of or fifth type of character is the character that Hal said, "Hey, we have some extra space. Let's include somebody." And Steve and I smack our heads against the wall and uh, decide to include. Um, I'm trying to think of who the second character was, but it was Steppenwolf and somebody else who are in the book who were not actually slated to be in the book. Mm-hmm. So there, there was, like I said, it's kind of a hodgepodge of different characters that uh, are are in the book all over the place. So very cool. So um, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump to one of the questions of our fans because because we're kind of on the topic a little bit here. Um, since we're kind of talking about what went into the book and what didn't, um, and and I guess this guy has a lot of clones, but Dan two four four eight on the. Uh, on the atomic think tank um, had a couple of questions. I think we've actually touched on some of these topics already, but one in particular, um, and four, four, eight, I am John nine, eight, three, six. Is this like THX one, one, three, eight? Yeah, exactly. uh, no, it's, 
It's like Ultron. John just keeps getting better. <laughs> <laughs> I'm iterating very quickly. Um, actually, I think we covered a lot of his his topics, but um, uh, you know, I think we've covered about that and that. And actually, it was a different. Okay, I apologize, Dan. I was actually thinking of a different person. I'll have to find out where I got this question. Ah, um, Dan one four two eight. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we actually had somebody asking why weren't there um, maps involved in the DC Universe book, like like maps of Gotham City or maps of Metropolis. Uh, there's there's kind of two answers to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, one is uh, purely um, uh, the simple thing of DC and Warner Brothers not wanting to make things solid. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in fact, had us remove some uh, some state references, even from some of the places we had in the universe book, which we can even point to reference material. And Seth will back me up on this. Um, <laughs> that says th- this city is, uh, you know, this made up DC city is in this state. And I can said, tell you oh. exactly where Metropolis is, but they don't want you yep. to know. So exactly, yeah. uh, they wanted to remain a little more. I don't know, imaginary than that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and despite the fact there are, there are also maps of the, some of these places, I think nowadays um, the people, the editors and such within uh, DC would probably say, nope, those are no longer accurate. and It's not actually true. And mm. uh, so it wasn't going to be an issue of, of us coming up with maps and going back and forth and making sure everything was correct and that's not what they wanted and that's not what we wanted to spend our time on and uh it also was a matter of us uh one of the big attractions to us for for doing this game uh was the fact that uh we could just rely on all their art resources uh and they didn't have any maps like that okay yeah and then they let me take a crack at the maps but they quickly caught on up was just putting everything in the south you know <laughs> yeah nobody nobody believed that gotham is really in mississippi i was actually really surprised to find out that um uh Fawcett city was in wisconsin that was actually Which, one of the big things i had to sort out was there are times where it's specifically in wisconsin and a few times where it's specifically in minnesota so oh, really? I, I i ended up going with wisconsin which is what jerry ordway said kind of throughout the power shazam but put it right on the border with minnesota so i could see how someone would make that mistake Sure. Those people who live just across the river. And maybe maybe there was some gerrymandering going on there. Yeah, <laughs> well, the, the the Minnesota reference came from a, a comic uh, by Eric Troutman, who's a huge continuity porn geek. So I'm 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 sure he had some reasons for for saying it was there, but I, I couldn't track down other reasons why it might be there. So ended up going with Wisconsin. Huh. I'm friends with him on Twitter. I could I could tweet at him and ask him <laughs> what, how his issue is with moving. The- city if i had to if i had to guess my my guess would be it's because uh you can track trace back Fawcett comics uh was originally published out of minnesota and so it may be kind of a reference to the origins of all the characters in the comics in the real world mm-hmm. interesting so, yep captain billy's Whizbang, published out of minneapolis st paul so very cool uh-huh. All right, so um, here's Dan's question that I was going to ask and, and couldn't couldn't find it a minute ago, but um, this is kind of on topic with the the being the fourth and final book. Um, 
having done four books, is there is there an additional topic or topics that you wish you had a fifth book that you could tackle? Oh, yeah. I mean, for sure, we would love to do more stuff. I mean, we could do more heroes and villains books. We could do we could do adventures we could do any sort of resource book i mean take any chapter in the universe book and mm-hmm. those could have been entire books on their own um mm-hmm. uh, i mean th- that wouldn't have been a problem at all uh, i i think as it is this series of four books makes a fine uh little collection mm-hmm. um, but I, I think anybody who has experience either writing for or playing a superhero role-playing game will be able to point to ways to extend the line beyond just these four books. It's we absolutely could have done more. Yeah, I think uh, I think a bunch of us freelancers that worked on the two heroes and villains books, we we put together on social media like sort of a gag list of like people that we would do for heroes and villains three, and we were actually trying to just out weird each other. And <laughs> I, I I thought I thought that I I thought that I had one because I wanted to stat up like Bob Hope and Jerry Lewis. <laughs> and then and then Jack Norris one upped me from that. I wish I could remember what Jack came up with, but I topped him by remembering that they had done like a treasury edition of greatest heroes of the Bible. So thinking, there we go. Okay, there you go. We can do DC oh. stats for you know God. You know, there we go. You know, and you know, we, are, we are the company that published testaments. So this isn't like we haven't gone there before. <laughs> so yeah, but yeah, the opportunity to to do to do, so, to do you know some you know some some really weird stuff would be would be a lot of fun. Yeah, and I mean, I think I think uh, you know another heroes and villains book to include a lot of the lesser known or less used characters like vibe or uh, I forget. <laughs> I forget who else. Saren right there. Yeah. Kite man. Kite man. Yeah, Kite man. Yeah. <laughs> did, did we do, uh, Oh, we did do killer moth, right? We didn't do Taraxes though. Um, I think we did both. Uh, I don't know if we did. We did the artwork for Taraxes was in there, wasn't it? I, still I don't remember. I'll, I'll look. No, cause I think it's, li- well, I think it's labeled under killer moth. Okay. Um, yeah. I grabbed the wrong book. I'm stupid. Oh, here it is. Hey. Uh, oh, no. It's uh, the Killer Moth art from the excellent Batgirl miniseries from a few years ago. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. A few years ago, probably being 10 if I were to look, but it seems like a few years ago. I think yeah. I've split the difference and call it seven years ago. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but it's... I mean, it- uh, it, yeah, there's all sorts of stuff. We could have done a, an all Vertigo book, which would have been awesome. Um, yeah, it, all sorts of crazy stuff we could have done. Mm-hmm. So basically, going into this, we, um, you know, we, we were talking with Steve um, about kind of how you broke down the book. Um, Seth, when you basically got the first two chapters, you were basically presented with doing the history of the setting. And then tackling Earth. How do you break down the history of the DC universe? Um, partially by doing lots and lots and lots of research. So John, John, <laughs> let me know early on kind of what their plans were, and he said we probably won't be handing out assignments until you know November or December. And uh, and I just spent the summer and fall reading lots and lots and lots of comics and taking lots of notes. And uh, you know, the DC when they did the Zero Hour event. Um, ended up putting timelines in the back of a lot of their comics, and then in the Secret Files and Origins had a bunch of timelines, and kind of using those as a starting point, but then fleshing it out 
just by reading lots of comics and and taking lots of notes. I, I think my notes file before I even started writing was something like 75 pages, and then it was a matter of, of uh, just organizing those, and those notes kind of provided a pretty solid background with uh, a lot of nice ancillary material to work in. So that's where I came up with lists of things like the sports teams and the papers and, and TV stations and all sorts of fun stuff to include. Cool. What was the most fun part about that? I'm guessing reading comics. That's what it sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, given the sheer volume of comics I read, it it, uh, it wasn't necessarily as much fun as you'd think because I wasn't all that interested in, like, was the hero fighting the villain? It's like, well, where are they fighting and when are they fighting and what newspaper you know boxes can you see in the background or what TV screens are shown? You know, and, and kind of pulling out all the background materials. You know, I remember there was a... Uh, a run of Green Arrow that I got particularly excited about because a villain had planted bombs all around town, and I didn't really care what villain was, was doing it. You know, he, here was the name of the bridge and where it was. And, you know, here was the sports arena and what the name of the team was. Like, this is fantastic stuff. So, it, it, was, it was definitely a different kind of comic reading, but it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I can just see you sitting there going, "Oh, hey, you know, they named this this sports team this," and you know, running around and pointing it out to your friends, and your friends are all like, "But dude, who who is the villain?" And you're like, "I don't remember." Yeah, I cares. I, <laughs> yeah, so I well, and there were other times like uh, I know that the the Opal City soccer team got mentioned, but they didn't really name it, and so I had to go digging around to see if anyone had ever actually named it, and. Uh, <laughs> The internet was was a good resource for things like that, right? They'd say, like, oh, yes, you know, they, they said that uh, this happened at this time, but then I'd have to go track down the primary source to, to make sure it actually happened in the comics. And it was a fun task, but but definitely uh, one that took a long, long time. <laughs> can, can I tell you? Can, I, oh, yeah, I, 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 will, I, will, I will file the names off this, so I won't embarrass anybody. But uh, one of the entries that I worked on this involved some rather obscure points, you know, just some some passing references to the kind of things that Seth is talking about. So I was blessed enough to have one of the creators come to an area comic book convention. And I gave him a business card. I told him what we were doing. And, you know, I said, you know, I'd like really like to do right by your character. So could I, could I send you an email? Could I send you my manuscript? And they said, sure. And so I sent them the entry. And then after about three or four days, I got I, I got a, I got an email back saying like, "You've put way more thought into these into these minor points than I ever did. So you've <laughs> you've done a much better job than I could. God bless you and your project." So I just, I just took that as a sign we were on the right track. <laughs> well, and the, the, one, the wonderful thing about about kind of reading all these comics and then trying to synthesize it all together into to one entry is that there there really is some kind of quiet hive mind going on you know whether i think that the the comic writers and artists intended or not it really is pretty darn internally consistent you know i could count the number of times where there was there were direct contradictions of information maybe on one hand so it's it, whether they know it or not the the details are there and you've always got the out of all the reboots they've done yeah that is true. You know, the universe gets wiped clean, and and uh, you have a blank slate to work with. Oh, great when dealing with fans. You can always just get that very serious scholar look and go, well, you're thinking of the pre-infinite crisis version of the character. <laughs> is, this and like, just... is this like that episode, you know, where, where James Kirk was really the evil James Kirk, and that's why he couldn't remember the uh, <laughs> the, the locker combination? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. So... 
basically the first chapter of the book, and this is kind of for painting painting a picture for people who haven't picked it up yet, and if you haven't, what are you waiting for? Um, the chapter one history section runs uh, about, I guess about 30 pages, about 27 pages it looks like. But it's mostly, um, you know, you've got before in the beginning, so it's starting like billions of years ago, early days, ancient history. Uh, I like the Times of the Brave and the Bold um, section. You've got the, you know, the Black Pirate and things like that. Then you've got... It, it is apparently it is apparently just Black Pirate. Yeah, just Black Pirate, not the yes, Black Pirate. Yes, that, that was actually <laughs> something that was one of the fixes from DC. It's Black Pirate, not the Black Pirate. Okay. Huh. Yeah, I thought it was interesting. Kind of like how it goes back and forth from time to time, whether it's Batman or the Batman. <laughs> exactly. That's <laughs> what I was thinking, too. Yeah. I'm the Batman. Then, of course, you've got the... Uh, um, some of the fun um, Western heroes. I, I loved seeing Batlash in there and Scalp Hunter. I was mm-hmm. glad to get to mention Super Chief in the book. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Enemy Ace is in there. I think uh, Steve said he managed to do this, that stat block. Um, uh, GI Robot, um, Sergeant that, Rock. That was my stat block. GI Robot. Robot and Cap, yep. Awesome. One of my favorite characters ever. I love GI Robot. And John's write-up is a thing of beauty. It really is. <laughs> I can die happy now. <laughs> then, of course, we get into the modern age, and <clears throat> you know, um, you you mentioned Final Crisis, Blackest Night, um, and then uh, we've got the Checkmate Nights, and we jump to Earth, and Earth is a pretty meaty chapter. There's a lot going on. You also wrote up. Earth. How much time would you say you spent just doing that kind of timeline compared to actually talking about Earth in detail? Uh, in terms of uh, the the research and the writing and such, mm-hmm. well, I, I did them both uh, kind of simultaneously. You know, as I did research on the places, I was also finding dates and things like that. So I, I think I probably did about four months of solid research, and then probably took me three months to do the writing, I think, for the first draft, and then it went into the process of revising and tweaking and all that stuff. Um, but, uh, you know, it, certainly it was, it was figuring out as we, did, as we did the research which ones were could get a longer write-up, uh, you know, such as the ones that are there for Metropolis and Gotham City, and uh, which ones fell into the, the lists of just kind of paragraph length of places like Mount Thunder and Fairfax and, and places like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's 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 a lot of math that goes into a project like this. You kind of have to start analyzing things. Like uh, Steve was describing the spreadsheet that John and he were going over when they were first doling out assignments on page counts and whatnot. Um, but um, you you cover a lot of ground in in the uh, in the Earth chapter. I mean, there's there's a lot going on obviously in the DC Earth, especially. Well- and, and I think that was that was the the hope, uh, you know, as we put that all together, was just to show that not everything is happening in the present day in Metropolis. You know, there's the the DC universe is a, a huge canvas, and there's a lot of possibilities for people to dig in and have adventures, you know, all over space and time. So, you know, go back and have some adventures alongside the Silent Night, like Superman did, or you know, go around the world to Oolong Island, or you know, uh, Africa. There, there's plenty of adventure to be had in Africa. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. I. I Canada is a little light on the ground. I know people have been talking about that, but even then we managed to squeeze in uh, mentions of some Canadian heroes that have shown up here and there. So, 
Yeah, I think um, Steve was jokingly mentioned that nothing really happens in Canada or Africa, and I'm like, yeah, I, I didn't want to contradict him on the show, but it's like, yeah, we actually do have some stuff in here. <laughs> yeah, yep, and especially for Africa. You know, you have Eclipso was there, uh, certainly up in northeastern Africa. You know, you have Bialya and, and all the things that happened there related, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, back in ancient Egypt. But uh, even in the modern day, uh, you know, if we'd had a few more months uh, to work on the book, we would have had all the Batwing stuff to fold in, which is really helping flesh out Africa. Mm-hmm. But uh, even before that, there's been, a, there's been a fair amount of good stuff there. Mm-hmm. And, of course, uh, my friend Jack got to do the, um, the Chinese super team, the Great Ten. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, Fun stuff. <laughs> which had some of the, the most bizarre power concepts I'd read in a while. But... Uh, now that that's what happens with Grant Morrison characters. Yes, so. <laughs> I love them. But um, some some uh, some of those characters appeared in a lot of the research I was doing when I was doing some reading for write-ups. Uh, it was it was it was kind of disappointing to have somebody else get them, but I was like, yeah, I can't wait to see how Jack handles those characters, and I'm really I think they're really cool. Um, I know he's really fond of the super fecundity power, but. Uh, I'm 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 still kind of a, a fan of August General and Iron just because I think he's a really cool character. Yeah, well, I'm an I'm an enormous fan of Captain Carrot and his amazing Zoo Crew, and I was I was bummed Yay. I didn't get to write them up, but I was <laughs> glad that they were in the book because you know when when they finally showed up, I could take a look and go, yes, that's awesome that they're in the game. Yeah, and and um, they were they were kind of the the pre well, they were the post crisis but pre fifty two right version of the Zoo Crew. <laughs> I'm trying to remember, um, John. I, I I think so. Um, you know, actually, I'm not 100% sure because uh, the uh, that sort of differentiation mm-hmm. we weren't really concerned with so much as getting an appropriate representation of the character. So, yeah. uh, and even actually, what's funny is I kind of regret our choice for the art for that piece. I don't even know what page they're on here. I'm looking at my. They're on page 155. Oh, I'm on 145. Um, but their art includes the eagle guy who I can't American, remember. The American Eagle. American Eagle. Of course. <laughs> How on the nose. Um, but it's, uh, it doesn't include his write-up. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so I kind of wish we didn't have him in there, but it's a really good picture otherwise. <laughs> yeah. uh, and the, the Captain Carrot I'm most familiar with is from the original series back in the early 80s when I was but a wee lad. Mm-hmm. Um, and just thought it was super fun and goofy. Um, so yeah, uh, and in fact, I don't even recall off the top of my head who wrote these guys up. Um, but I, th- I thought they turned out pretty well. So we can let Chris take care, uh, take credit for it. <laughs> yeah, good, good work, Chris. Uh, well, see, I, I, I only came in with like the greedy '90s reboot where they went all Watchmen. You know? Right. Yeah. When Mike Barron you know, was writing them, they, yeah, you know that you know they they were all around for Pig Iron's funeral, and you know, <laughs> uh, you know, as you know, and trying to figure out who's who's killing the masks. You know, yeah, that's where I came in. That that's that, was, that actually was uh, they appeared in Teen Titans as a comic that I think Kid Flash was reading, and that actually was a gritty reboot of Captain Carrot, where somewhere uh, <laughs> the heroes are being killed off. I think that's where American Eagle appeared for the first time. So. <laughs> So if you want that, that's where to track it. That's where to track it down. 
<laughs> you know that, that that's we could do a whole other podcast about you know about you know these characters have been around for so long they've been in the hands of so many different creators like how did you deal with that one period in the character's history where they were truly awful and just nigh unreadable <laughs> or somebody just has like a really awful take on these characters well, I think one. part of it is, you know, kind of whether it be a character or a place or whatever, um, you know, you, you distill it out until you represent the most iconic, you know, possibility filled version. And, and that's what, you know, we try and put in the book. You know, it's not we're not trying to give an authoritative take of, of everything that's ever happened, but more a, uh, a toolbox, you know, of, of mm-hmm. possibilities. You know, kind of I think I was just saying earlier that we wanted to be more mythic than specific. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I think somebody mentioned um you know, and obviously the the more hard the ardent fans will take issue with this, but I'll I'll set myself up anyway. Um, <laughs> is that uh, even a lot of the new fifty two variations on these characters are not going to stray too far from the write ups as we pre- as they've been presented here? Um, yeah, I think I think the character who probably varies the most, although I'm sure people will argue with me on this too, is probably Red Robin, who mm-hmm. for one thing doesn't even exist in these books, but um, just the addition of flight to the character makes it, I think, fairly different. But mechanics-wise, it's not particularly different. Right. And any of the you know minor differences that you particularly prefer in your characters that may not appear in this book are fairly easy to add on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, and I mean, this is one of those great big you know potpourri books where you can find something for yourself i mean there's there's something in here that's gonna remind you of what you love about comics um at least uh, i certainly found myself that was my problem when i was trying to trying to actually help with the proofreading was that i kept getting into reading mode where i was actually (laughs) enjoying the book (laughs) yeah yeah I, i understand that i was actually reading seth's section uh of the earth uh what the earth chapter and uh, I just, I'm reading it and I was like, holy crap, where did he find this information? <laughs> I mean, it was, it was insane, the stuff that was in there that I was, I wish I could remember what pages I was doing because uh, it was definitely in chapter two, but it was like talking about the different cities and then like these different parts of the cities and how they had this name and that name and this character was from there and oh an angel an angel and the ape are from here and they were the babysitters for spike and spank and i don't (laughs) was sugar and spice spice. yeah sugar and spice or sugar Sugar and spike Spike. yeah Yeah. Yeah. sugar and spike yes no it was (laughs) it was crazy to read through all that and actually uh and, and everybody did that sort of thing. I just happened to be rereading Seth's section and like finding all this information because there there is definitely a difference between reading a book to edit it and reading a book to uh, to just read it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's uh, it's <laughs> you don't get as much content when you're reading to edit. Um, no, but everybody kind of everybody did such a good job on this book, kind yeah. of you know pulling out all the stops and finding all sorts of good information to include and. Um, and this book is very different than any of the other three in that this is much, well, obviously it's about the setting, right? But mm-hmm. this is much more about kind of defining what the world is like as opposed to defining what the characters are like. Um, and so in a lot of ways, this is probably the most fun book in the line. Yeah, I think that uh, 
you know, you know, going back to the idea of, you know, if there was a fifth book, you know, what would I have wanted? Um, I think the only thing I would have wanted um, that wasn't in the, the, the four books that we have already would be um, probably either adventures or, or you know, suggestions towards, you know, specific adventures, how, how you could, you know, adapt a story from the comics into an actual Mutants and Masterminds adventure, but I think that people can find most of that themselves, but I think as a writer, that might have been really fun to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, there's just so much in here that's just so much fun to read. Um, you know, uh, Christopher, what was your favorite part about this project? I mean, there are so many good stories to get into, but... Well, you know, it's it's just funny. I mean, you know, human beings are dreamers by nature. I mean, I mean that dreams keep us alive. Dreams keep us going. And to think that you know, all those years that I was thinking like like wow, there you know the the two you know, two of the greater loves of my life, the DC universe and Eminem. Thinking, wouldn't it be cool if those two things could ever possibly come together? And it just it got you know the thought that that actually happened as many times as I'd wished and I'd hoped for that, and I got to be a part of it. You know, just the sheer joy of finally getting to do it and getting so many characters that I was excited about doing. And uh, you know, yeah, I had to do the new gods, but who's complaining? <laughs> you know, I got, I, I got to do, I got to do the free I got to do the freedom fighters and and some of the and some of the some of the more outre flash villains. So, yeah, I mean, it was just such a such a joy and a dream come true to be working on this project, and it really really was one that uh, I'm I was just I mean just so happy to be asked. You know, even if they'd come to me and said, like, all right, all we need you to do is the new God's entry, I would still have a smile on my face because I got to do official M&M stats for a DC character. Yeah, you know what's funny is I specifically gave you those characters because I was like, oh, he loves the Silver Age stuff. I'll give him some Silver Age stuff. And then, you know, it turns out uh, it was basically like giving you a big pile of poo. So sorry. Sorry about that, Christopher. Well, well, well. That's quite all right. It's quite all right. It was just, it was just it, the the only really bad part of that was it was right after Final Crisis and Death of the New Gods had come out at the same time and completely contradicted each other as yeah. to what had happened to these characters. So you know, just uh, the just having to flip a coin about which one of these I'm actually going to write up that was the only real real headache with that one. And and hey, and here's my chance to publicly thank Seth for bailing me out on that project. Because originally I was supposed to do the League of Assassins, and that was one of those rare things that made me go, "Who? <laughs> those guys that those guys that work for for Rachel Ghoul back in the seventies are getting their whole entry. Who are who are these people attached? I recognized Merlin because I love weird old Green Arrow villains, but other than Merlin, I was drawing a complete blank. And Seth swapped me that for Flash's Rogues Gallery. I mean that that's that's the that's the thing I would have dumped a body to have done in the first place. <laughs> so I mean Seth, Seth was my angel there in the middle of that. So thank you again, sir, publicly oh, no, here, was, for the world was, to hear. It was a blast. That was another one of those entries where I got to go and find all those obscure members that had shown up as you know one shot Batman villains and say what story are they telling by putting all these guys together and yeah. it uh, it came together really well. Same with the I did the entry for the. Um, 
Secret Society of Supervillains and stringing together all the different appearances of that group over the years, I was kind of surprised to see that you know there was a coherent narrative. When they first showed up back in the 70s, they were a plot by Darkseid to undermine and take over the world. And in their latest appearance during uh, Infinite Crisis, there indeed, they, Darkseid was using them to take over the world. So, mm-hmm. you know, all the goofy twists and turns they had taken over the years were apparently just part of Darkseid's plan. All <laughs> part of the plan. <laughs> so... Assuming that uh, there there aren't any major stumbling blocks, and and I don't see any between you know the the release of the PDF, which is out now, people can can go buy the book and pre-order the 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 hard copy and get the PDF for five dollars, um, and you can do that through your local friendly local gaming store too. Um, yes, John, if 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 their if their local gaming store doesn't uh, know about your your uh, PDF program, how do they contact you? Um, they can do that, I believe, by just emailing either Bill at GreenOrnine or, or I think Sales at GreenOrnine.com. Okay. Um, and it's like the super super simplest thing to do. Uh, what happens is uh, you, repro- you pre-order the book from the retailer, um, your favorite local game store, as they <laughs> like to say, and uh, the retailer can get a list or, or can get in touch with Bill, our, our sales guy, mm-hmm. and Bill will supply him with a uh, code that he, the retailer will then give to you to uh, download a copy of PDF. Okay. And, then, and that's, basically it's, it's a simple. discount code so they get it for $5? Yep, so they'd get it for $5 instead of the $20 regular price tag. Okay. And, um, and you also get the PDF right away as opposed to having to wait until the book comes out. Exactly. I think that uh, the overall uh, greed factor, the the immediate satisfaction factor, is what drove me to start picking up the PDFs in the first place back when you started doing them. I think at the end of uh, second edition, but um, I, I've I've collected all of them now. <laughs> yeah, we've kind of needed to figure out exactly how to do that before we could launch it, and uh, mm-hmm. it's it's been pretty successful. Uh, we, have, we don't have tons and tons of retailers who sign up for it, and we always wish there would be more because it's definitely a bonus to the to the fans who are actually doing the pre-ordering and letting people know, like, hey, we're interested in this. Um, so if, if you're thinking of ordering the book and you'd rather do it at your store, which we heartily encourage, um, uh, it probably will take your uh, store manager five or ten minutes to get everything straightened out and get some codes that he can give out to anybody who pre-orders the book. So, uh, it's easy to do. Cool, cool. So, let's see. Um, I think we've uh, got, we've just hit the hour-long mark here, so um, <laughs> trying to think if there's anything we want to cover about DC Adventures Universe that we haven't quite uh, touched on yet. Are there any any um, favorite characters that you guys uh, were looking forward to doing that uh, you're really happy you got a chance to, or, or anything that kind of jumps out? I know that uh, Christopher loves telling his top story, the story of doing the top. <laughs> but do you have any other characters that you know were really fun to do? Uh you know, I have so much love for for some of the goofier Sil- Silver Age villains. You know, getting to go, getting to do guys like Professor Ivo and Tio Morrow. Those were a lot of fun. Um, and but uh, uh, 
you know, I, honestly, just for uh, the 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 design work that I did on uh, on them, just for the sheer like number crunching on them, mm-hmm. I was really, 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 really proud of the jobs I did on Captain Comet and uh, the two versions of the Ray, the Golden Age and the Modern Age, mm-hmm. because getting all their powers to work the way they should in M M&M, and M, and as many as they had, mm-hmm. you know, damn near killed me. <laughs> you know, I mean, it it was a re- it was a real real struggle, but the but you know that that moment of satisfaction you get when you think you've nailed it and you get the points and they add up and everything's fine and you just want to jump out of the chair and give them a boo yeah <laughs> I owe you second Ray. <laughs> You know that was that that was that was some that you know you know I probably would give an edge to the Ray over the over Captain Comet because I wasn't able to sneak in Captain Comet's uh, telepathic bulldog. Aww. So yeah, you know, that's that's an omission I regret. But, but the Ray, I feel like I nailed. <laughs> what about you, I, Seth? Uh, I was thrilled that I got a chance to write up Ambush Bug, uh, you know, one of my favorite goofy characters, and then I, I remember getting in touch with John saying, so I have a really cool idea for his write-up, but it's completely going to break your template. And John was, <laughs> was nice enough to let me just absolutely run with it and kind of have goofy fun with that and, you know, actually give a character in uh, a copy of the rule book and all sorts of fun stuff. So that, that was my favorite. Yeah, I, I do remember one of the first things I did was flip open to the Ambush Bug entry when uh, I got the first book, and I was grinning because... He was he was one of my favorite characters for a long time back in the eighties when uh, uh, the uh, now I can't remember the name of the uh, the author slash artist who was doing it. Giffen. Giffen Keith Giffen yeah Keith Giffen and uh, I just I loved that series and and how every issue would end on on a dark side dark side you know surprise panel yeah cameo yeah. at the end of the last issue <laughs> oh, well yeah. it's, it's 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 amazing you know he he showed up with Giffen was doing I think. DC Comics Presents, and he showed up as a villain, and like, yeah, I think Giffen just couldn't resist making him goofier and goofier, and he started showing up in action comics, and I actually own a page of original Giffen art of, of uh, Ambush Bug and Superman, and kind of a one, one-page one uh, gag strip that's just wonderful, so he's awesome. um, oh, that's one fantastic. of my favorites for a long time, yeah. That's fantastic. Ow. What about you, John? Uh, the favorite characters, all of them, they're all my babies. Um <laughs> You know, I I did say before I really like GI Robot, so I was I was happy to actually be able to fit him in and do a write up of him that I'm actually really happy with. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I don't know. There's there's definitely a lot of characters that I think were a lot of fun to include in the book. I actually didn't get to write up very many over the course of the entire game line. Um, I did I did most of the rewriting and making sure everything. Uh, came out correctly, but yeah, Ambush Bug was another one. Actually, Ambush Bug was the only character we got a comment back from DC that said, "This is fantastic. We love it. Amazing." Great. Um, that made the book for me. It yeah, really did. They, they really loved that write up, and uh, yeah, no, there's there's all sorts of characters in here that I really liked. Um, I'm trying to think. Oh, I also wrote up because the character just debuted shortly before the book came out uh, from. Uh, volume one was the new Aqualad. Oh yeah. Uh, so I, I did his write up, and I also did. Um, what was the villain who was after him? Siren. I yeah. Believe her name uh, was. Yeah. Um, and then the, the other characters I like are simply because of some uh, 
like rules thing like oh i came up with a cool way to do you know two weapon attack with uh you know two guns for mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the uh crimson avenger crimson, and yeah, same crimson. yeah and then Azrael has something similar and like well stuff like that where i, I was like oh, okay okay that's a good way to handle that and um you know blue you know there's just so many characters blue devil blue beetle um just all sorts of great characters that, that are just a lot of fun. The only thing I couldn't figure out how to do and isn't in the book, and I'm giving away a secret right now, so listen up, is I couldn't figure out how to write up a chemo swallows you power. <laughs> that was that was the one thing that I was like, oh, I would love to include that, um, but it looks like we didn't have room on the page anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm going to be thinking about that, trying to figure that out. And the hard part is it's like something where he kind of has you grabbed, sort of, right? So it would have to be an affliction tied to some kind of continuous damage effect, like all sorts of crazy things. So, But it's, uh, uh, you know, that's the sort of stuff that I get to think about as the line developer. That that was one that I was like, not worth it. This is already so late. I just need to move ahead. So, So... When people finally get their hands on the book, whether they're using a PDF or whether they're using the book, um, what do you hope it brings to the gaming table? I mean, what, I mean, uh, uh, we actually had um, Seth mentioned a couple of good ideas, but um, what uh, what, do you, what do you guys hope that uh, people are taking away from it? Well, you know, for me, it's kind of like a college yearbook. You know, there are just so many good memories wrapped up in it, and you know, you can just open up a random page, and if you and the long the longer you've been with DC Comics, the more that you know you can kind of look at some random little thing and remember. Oh man, I remember I remember getting that one off the spinner rack back in 1978, and you know, it's all the more poignant for me because it's a college yearbook of a college that you know somebody went and burned to the ground. <laughs> you know? So you know, it it, ha- it it has a it has a little element of bittersweet to it for me there, and you know, I think. <laughs> I think anybody who appreciated what they did for the first 75 years, I think there's a reason to smile on every single one of those pages. And if it makes people grin like it does me, then, hey, we, we did our job. Yeah, that was – while we were working on it, you know, we were trying to be as, as kind of comprehensive and as we could. And I remember I handed in the manuscript, and then the very next week I went on vacation with my wife. And we were a couple days into the vacation, and uh, I saw – you know, USA Today was for sale. Up in the corner was a picture of DC heroes. I'm like, oh, that's cool. I wonder what coverage DC got. And I see DC Comics announces reboot of all comics. And I was like, well, I, I guess we uh, we covered it right up to the finish line there. So <laughs> it was actually pretty nice. It was nice that it happened. Cool. John? Um, boy, I don't know. I, I guess, I mean, a lot of this, I think I answer in the afterward in the book. Because mm-hmm. uh, it really was very much about um, kind of for me, uh, two of my big loves coming together, uh, which is uh, I won't specifically say mutants and masterminds, but I will say uh, gaming in general, superhero gaming and DC, uh, and I love that it's just happens to be mutants and masterminds, which I happen to be the developer of. Um, just having those two things come together and being able to put together uh, a book or, you know, a series of books like this that uh, will hopefully, um, you know, hopefully there will be big fans of, of these books, uh, which will encourage people to continue on and 
either reading comics or playing role-playing games or playing mutants and masterminds or, you know, you know, maybe one day they want to become a writer of this sort of thing and spend like Seth did hours and hours and hours and months and months, uh, researching and reading comics in order to earn three or four cents a word. (laughs) 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 It's, uh, you know, it's, it's just, uh, this is all something that we really love and hopefully, uh, the people who use the, this, these gaming books will also love it. Now you're, you know, you know, you're a, um, uh, a math geek. If, if, you know, you stopped at that point and you went and grabbed your book and started counting words to try and figure out how much somebody made. (laughs) (laughs) But can I slip in a, can I slip in a random story that I think may make Seth feel better about the amount of research that he did? Sure. Please. Yeah. Uh, I was, I wrote a, good chunk of the flash source book for the old west end dc game that uh had made it as far as layout it just never got published i mean it, it really they could have put out pdf enough five more minutes you know they could have had a pdf of that available and they asked me to write up like the history and layout of central and keystone cities and for various reasons the only way I could approach that project was sit down and read every single Flash comic from start to finish and just make copious, copious notes. And it just wound up being like this total obsessive project there for, there for me a while. But I wrote it up, was very, very, very proud of it, submitted it, and then I got the worst note I think I've ever gotten from an – okay, second worst note I've ever gotten from a line developer. It said, this is great. This is brilliant. It's very, very, very well done. But we've made a deal with DC, and Jeff Johns is going to be writing this section. <laughs> oh man! And the worst part of all is, it's not like I can complain. <laughs> How dare you pick the actual writer of the comic over me? <laughs> so yeah, oh, I mean, and, 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 and 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 it was just you know nobody nobody ever actually saw the book anyway. But to think you know even if it had been published, the thing I put by far the most work in, nobody would have seen anyway. <laughs> Ow. Pleasure becomes pain. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah, yes. And 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 this is this is why for people listening, this is the kind of thing that we do as a labor of love. We don't <laughs> do this to get rich, <laughs> and we don't do it for our sanity. That's for sure. J- James, James, are, are, are you are you are you de- are you degrading the twenty seven dollars I got for writing the Flash Source book? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know I. I I don't know how you fund those those um, those blimp war fortresses of yours, but um, <laughs> I, I thought the goal of those was to kind of supplement your income. Am I wrong? Am I, am I should I be asking for more money here? Uh, well, at least make sure there's always a kill fee. That's the lesson I learned there from, the Flash, from the Flash <laughs> Lantern source books. Always make sure there's a kill fee in there. Mm-hmm. That was. Uh, that's that's actually something that uh, I preach to my artist friends as well. I mean, every everybody who does commission work, I think, um, and this could be an entire podcast actually. So maybe we'll save that for another time. But just to agree with you, yeah, there's, uh, and for people who don't know what a kill fee is, it's very simply an agreement ahead of time that, you know, once you start work on a project, you're going to get paid whether the project gets published or not. It's basically um, mm-hmm. if something happens where they have to cancel the project or cancel your contribution and it's on them where it's like they're canceling things, but you've, you've put in your work and you've put in your, your, your good effort to, to do something, you still get paid. It's usually a percentage of what you would have gotten paid if the project, you know, carried through. But... 
you're at least getting paid so that your time isn't a complete waste. Um, and that's something that uh, professional artists really need to take to heart and do more often. Um, I think uh, uh, most of my friends who work in the comic industry can probably tell you some horror stories there, but it goes for writing as well. <laughs> but uh, aside from that, I think we've pretty much covered the book front to end, and uh, I think I should probably let John go so he can get back to collecting some more errata, because I know that's fun. It um, is. It's, I was actually just looking at the the errata document for the uh, Deluxe Heroes Handbook, which is uh, being worked on right now. Um, I collected all the errata that came up after the books had already been published, or the, the regular Heroes Handbook had been published, and uh, sent that over to Hal, so he'll be making corrections to the what will eventually be the Deluxe Heroes Handbook from the Kickstarter. Very cool. Um, but yeah, so I have, I have my document. I, do you mind if right I jump here. in with a question about that real quick since you mentioned it? Where, where sure. are we have production on that? Uh, it's with Hal, and I think uh, new art has been um, commissioned for a number of pieces mm-hmm. and for some things that have been added, such as Seth's and Chris's adventures. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so that stuff's all being commissioned. And I think what we're going to do, because um, I don't, I, I don't, I, I don't keep track of the schedule. That's not my job. Um, it's actually Hal's job. Uh, but the, uh, the, <laughs> stop chuckling, but the, uh, <laughs> it's not funny, dear God. Um, but the, uh, I think the book was always already supposed to have gone to press, but, uh, the art is running late. So I think what we're going to do so that we can get this in people's hands, because it will be ready to go, I believe shortly is actually release it with just placeholders for where the art's supposed to be, um, so the people be able to get the PDF and see what's in there and check it out, and then we'll update it as soon as the the actual art comes in. And That's then we'll... a very common thing right now with a lot of the uh, and, I, and I know that um, uh, we're planning our own Kickstarter uh, very shortly for for a project. And one of the things we intended to do was have a um, a sort of playtest version of the final PDF that would be available, but but still subject to change before mm-hmm. the, uh, mm-hmm. the finished version came out. That's and, you know, yeah, we, 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 just, we, we could actually advertise that as a feature. You know, tell people, like, you know, this is the special fill-in-your-own-art edition. Yeah, right. there you go. It's the sketchbook you know, edition. Yeah. Do you, do you, take this, you take it around to comic book conventions, get, like, like pro artists to, like, draw in pictures back, for you. Back in the day when they would always, you know, have to include a couple of blank pages at the back of your role-playing book, and they would always just <laughs> helpfully put the word notes on top of the page. Yes. So that you knew that was for you to write your own notes. These, these pages are here intentionally. Yes. <laughs> yes, these pages are meant to be blank. <laughs> but, um, well, thank you guys very, very much for joining me today. It was, it was a blast. Um, always nice to talk to you guys. Um, yeah, it was good fun. Yeah, I hope everybody yeah, else had fun. I wish we could say the same, James. Okay, thanks. Wait, no, that's not. No, that's <laughs> No, thanks for having us. This is a good time. Good, good. Yeah. And um, look forward to... Um, I actually am looking forward to that uh, that Heroes Handbook, so I'll probably pester you to do some uh, proofreading on that. 
Um, yeah. just, just so I can read those articles and the and the um, the adventures because I can't wait sure. to see what uh, what monkey business Christopher's up to this time. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, uh, to everyone listening at home, uh, hope you enjoyed this episode. As usual, if you're interested in hearing uh, more of one thing or, or different topics covered, uh, feel free to comment. Uh, if you comment on the Vigilance Press website uh, as opposed to the Podbean website, I get my updates a little more frequently. Or you can always find us on Facebook. We have a, a Vigilance Press group. And I'm also on uh, Google. You can find us on Google+. There's um, the Vigilance Press uh uh, community there. So lots of ways to find us. Um, if you want to find us, www.vigilancepress.com, and that will take you to our main website where our blog will try to keep you up to date with all of our latest news. And of course, you can find out the latest information on Mutants and Masterminds at www.mutantsandmasterminds.com and the www.atomicthinktank.com, which is the forum. Um, and uh, with all that said, I want to thank everybody for tuning in. Thank my wonderful guests for being here. And to everyone out there, stay vigilant.